well, there you are. <laughs> it, uh, it's good to see you this morning, both here in the sanctuary, and I imagine those of you online, um, and it's good to be back. Let's pray. Oh God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our strength and our redeemer, our rock of salvation. And those gathered who could said, amen. Mm. Now, I'm not quite sure how we get from the the first five verses of Matthew 7 to love the sin, love the sinner, hate the sin. And I may not always agree with Reverend Adam Hamilton, who is the author of Half Truths, that some of you are reading and this series is centered on, but this is definitely one passage that he and I see similarly, and rightly so. You see, I have always thought of Matthew 7 as the stop that passage. And it's speaking to me, to us, and not someone we have named as the sinner. It's just a little too easy to shift the focus on someone else and their lives and practices, their faults and foibles, their horrors and horrendous, rather than do the necessary work that you and I must do by putting ourselves on God's potter's wheel to look at our lives, give an honest accounting of whether we are living our faith, whether or not we take seriously the absolute necessity for loving others and creation itself by being practicing Christians in our everyday lives. Just imagine the changes we might see or do see when we begin our judgments with ourselves rather than with someone else. So this morning, I'd like us to think of the stop that passage as an invitation and not just a scolding. Yes, an invitation to live our lives out of the possibilities found in wholeness, self-reflection, justice, peace, a new heaven and new earth, hope. And not our shortcomings that rest on greed, self-centeredness, aravis, coveting, and despair that would have us cast a side eye to our neighbor, those we know and those we may never know. In this last section of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus' invitation calls us to grow in compassion, understanding, and acceptance of ourselves and acceptance of others as we form the most precious gift of a community of faith that reaches inside us and helps us move into a world that needs to hear the good news that we are discovering anew with the dawning of each day. 
that God loves us and wants us to be our best selves and then to share this with others. This is what the kingdom, the kingdom, the realm of God looks like and feels like. So I'm arguing that Jesus is telling us to do our first works over. Rather than live and practice a witness that specializes in being the doo-wop pom-pom squad for judgment and condemnation, Jesus is encouraging us to take a good look at our lives and witness and give an honest accounting of what we have done and not done. To drop our fears of being judged as less than if we admit our humanness our isness, and to be ready to try again as we seek to be bearers of the good news of love, hope, and grace in a world that desperately needs to hear a word crafted from love rather than fear and loathing. We must do the work our souls must have to stop a fantastical imagination that circumscribes love and loving into narrow and constricting casings of judging others, and then has the nerve to say that this is righteousness or this is holy. And as much as Jesus wants us to take a good look at ourselves, he reminds us how important it is for us to keep our neighbors in mind as well. Our becoming more reflective and honest with ourselves can and does help us to be a caring witness to and with others. You see, I've grown weary of listening to excuses and rationales for creating and maintaining silos for our living. Saved ones over here, damned ones over there, unsure ones, well, you better get on the good foot and figure out where you are. Folks, the new Jerusalem does not come in a compartmentalized people who judge others and think that they are the only ones who hold the market on righteousness. This is not what loving our neighbor is about. No, this is a cavalier approach to our faith that simply doesn't last when times get tough. It's not that bone-deep love that carries us through trouble and dissension as well as joy and celebration. The love of neighbor I am talking about is forged out of the gospel call to dig deep into our innards and find the spaces of compassion sequestered there, to pull them out into our lives, to create a society that values the great diversity of folks that shape us and mark us as being human. The love the sinner hate the sin love we tend to practice is not this kind of love. In fact, I believe it really is a form of hoarding. It is protecting what we have, protecting who we are, circling the wagons around our ideas and beliefs, failing to look up 
and out into the faces of the manyness of this world and see the marvelous changing designs of God's rich creation unfolding into our lives and into the lives of others. Loving our neighbors is a different kind of love that begins with honesty and candor wrapped in God's grace. It's a love that is determined to face into the wickedness of our day, a love that is neither sentimental nor vapid, and you and I must not be meek and mild with our love. For this love is not about being nice, it's not about being tolerant. It's not about maintaining the status quo, particularly when we're the only ones benefiting from it. I do not believe that we should practice the malformed love of hoarding that is nothing more than an over-religified, solipsistic matterhorn. Jesus' words to Matthew, to us, are to lean into the possibilities of who we are and who we can be when we are guided by a search for wholeness, self-reflection, justice, peace, that new heaven and new earth, hope. So we take out both the log and the speck not judgment, but love. I think it would be an amazing world if we could love one another as our first move rather than begin with judgment or fear. To move beyond, can't we all get along? To peer more deeply into, oh, what a fellowship. To feel more intensely, Savior God above, God Almighty God of love, please look down and see my people through. Friends, there is a richer life in store for us, and Jesus stopped that in this morning's passage from Matthew. Yes, it's true that we sometimes struggle to love our enemies, let alone our friends. Yes, it's true that we are called to love all those hordes of anonymous people we know nothing about. And yes, we are called to love one of the hardest people in the world to love, ourselves. It can all seem so improbable at times. But I believe that we are not being called to put together a grim list of do's and don'ts. This is not a piety or a sense of faith that has no joy. It's not a list of prescriptions that we can never fill. It's not a Holy Spirit checkoff list that eases our conscience but does nothing for our souls. Seeking to genuine love one another, I believe, is a sign that we are seeking, if not yearning, if not chasing belief. Not just a belief in the divine, but a belief that God loves us, God rocks us, God cares for us, and God does not leave us Jesus encourages us to open our eyes, 
hearts, minds, souls, very spirits, and see and feel and touch and smell joy and agony vibrating in the fractures and whole notes of creation. Love is one more piece of the fabric of the universe, one more way to signal this restless journey that we all are on, one more sign that the Emmaus Road is not the end of the journey, but its beginning. And I remember that one of the earliest words I can remember learning in the church was love, not judgment. I knew that Jesus loved me, that Jesus loved all the little children of the world, red and yellow, black and white. We are precious in his sight, that love could lift me, that I should love to tell the story. This story, as Jesus warns us in Matthew, is not about judging others, because that kind of judgment comes back to haunt us and judge us in equal measure, if not more. We must begin our holy work on ourselves and reach out to others in the kind of humble hope that comes from knowing that we all have much work to do and we are surrounded by God's grace as we go. When we do so in a community of folks who are striving toward their own faithful witness, we are not alone. Doing less than this means we are only offering a partial, if not crippling, gospel, not a whole one. Love of neighbor is that notion that each of us has worth. Each of us has the right to have that worth recognized and respected. It tells us we owe one another respect and the right to our dignity as children of God. Love ministers to our souls, lifts our spirits, assures our connection with each other and God, and pulls us beyond ourselves. Love of neighbor holds us accountable to God and reminds us that we must always burn the midnight oil for righteousness. And to live this righteousness means that Jesus is urging us to live an embodied soul-deep faith that is molded out of the isness of our lives and that of others. We are molding faith, love, hope, justice, with a spirit and spirituality that is ripening into wholeness as a life journey and not a current event or spiritual two-step or roundhouse of academic arbitrariness or momentary bout of holified indigestion. To live this love means to put life and faith together to live this love is to nest in holy irony. It's not about passing human-made moral litmus tests weighted towards judgment and despair. It's not about gaining the approval of your peers. It's not about your job. It is about loving your neighbor, loving our neighbor as ourselves. 
This is what gets God up doing a standing ovation in creation. These are the things that get a divine, mm, 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 mm. And it's what gets God up doing the electric slide or the Texas two-step or cha-cha shuffle or just plain shimmying in the spirit. When we refuse to accept judgment as passion, lazy platitudes as vibrant faith, moaning skepticism as committed witness, trifling cliches as vibrant spirituality, arrogant disdain as a world-filling love. Come on, y'all. Let's do a shake dance of love. Living our lives out of possibilities. Finding ways to love one another because we owe this to one another. We are the ones who we've been waiting for as we walk across the rim bones of glory to discover how to run the race faster, think through the perplexities of life better, jump the obstacles higher, kick at the doors of injustice harder, and be the true people of God and love tougher. Thanks be to God.